0: You're listening to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States. Here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, the Game of Thrones uh, edition. This you need to you need to get some pillows
1: up to absorb the sound. Oh
0: yeah!
1: (laughs) Oh man, it's okay. it, oh, there we go. We're, we're better. Okay. Uh,
0: so, do I yeah. need to
1: be Corey? Cool hi, guys.
0: Hey, guys. How's it going? So, listen, we're starting a little bit early tonight. Uh, the main reason for that is because we had some gripes last week. Uh, folks were a little concerned. We may have been spending too much time uh, talking Game of Thrones. So so we're
1: going to start early to talk Game of Thrones.
0: <laughs> exactly. You're so that we of, can go uh, ahead.
1: You're full of dragon fire. So.
0: For the uh, next seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So, Aaron, uh, tell us what you thought about uh, last uh, night's episode. And please be aware uh, this will include spoilers. So, if you have not watched the episode,
1: come back at eight
0: or come at nine for the regular show.
1: So, if you. Cinematography, directing, the acting, really good. You know, I I can't. Like, the the best way to explain this episode and even this season is most people got lost. Like, Season two of Westworld lost them. Yeah, season eight of, of this is losing me. Dan and Dave, I'm so happy that you are not involved in the prequel projects because you have ruined this. Thank God the old man, according to Barristan Selmy, has finished the books. Dude, you um, are so traumatic, bro. They not can't. They did horrible character development across the freaking board. Especially in no. this episode, yeah, you're gonna complain. You're gonna tell me, you know, Jamie's character development got freaking yanked. Well, yeah, it did. Um, mm-hmm. the the interesting. Thing All right, well, well, well because I already told you that's what I think, but <laughs> but the I think the you know people are like, no, that that dragon fire that uh, the dragon fire is leftover from King Ares. I, I think that most people don't remember how much dragon fire. The alchemists were told to commission. Like, so Tyrion goes up and be like, "Yo, I need some of this. I need some of this. You know, you got any more of that dragon fire?" And they're like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "Oh, really?" He's like, "I just need a little bit, you know." And then they're he like, walks oh, well, in. We got a fucking lot of it. And they, they walk <laughs> in and he's like, "Who commissioned all this?" He's like, "The queen." And he's like, "Whoa, oh, This is a whole lot. This is a lot more than I need." Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's like even after the step of Baylor, she like the, the city ends up being trapped with between two mad queens because, you know, they were like, well, I'm accepting women into or women like refugees into the Red Keep so that she would have to come through her own people. <laughs> well, I think the place was rigged to little belong.
2: did she know she's also a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> You know, some people it's just buried a little bit deeper down, you know. But instead of bullying, it was just being denied the Iron Throne that bought it, you know, that brought it out. But honestly, dude, so I just have to say, I have to disagree with your assertion that there's awful character development across the board. So I will start out with where I agree with you that Jamie's character development was absolutely butchered. Um, I had some hope for him. So, so where it started for me was where was was when he left Bri- Brienne. But I had some hope. I was just like, you know, maybe he's going to go to King's Landing, try to convince you know, Cersei to see the light. Then he's going to realize, what am I doing? Like, you know, like, why did I even come? I got to kill her. And I thought Jaime was going to get the kill on Cersei. I thought he was just, holy crap, this is my destiny. I am the Kingslayer. I am destined to be the Queenslayer. But obviously that didn't happen. Um, I will say it was great to see Cersei go down, just witnessing her entire empire crumbling. I really, really did enjoy that. However, on, on the parts of, you know, on the parts of Tyrion, on the parts of Varys, you see Tyrion, the the, the bad decisions are starting to pile up. And previous to now, we've always seen uh, Tyrion as kind of the Mary Sue of this show, where he just, you know, he can do no wrong. He is always one step ahead, you know, even in the darkest of times. But now we're seeing that the Tyrion is immortal. Like, you know, he, he is, you know just as prone to mistakes as all the men that he constantly berated for being stupid. And he thought to be below him intellectually, he's now making the same mistakes that they are and look exactly where it brought him. Daenerys was, you know, absolutely right. Um, Like that, you know, it was Tyrion's fault basically that all of this spread. So I, I I really liked I really liked it in that regard. I think Tyrion's mm-hmm. one of those people that's pretty underrated uh, in terms of like where the show has brought him.
1: You sort of make a point about varies and this is where, like, I think he completely screws this up. He's he's already in the he's already in the mo- the mode of this woman is mad. She's gonna just burn it all. And what does he do? He's like, you know what mm-hmm it's I'm going to sit in my study I, and i'm gonna write letters i'm just like, gonna i'm just gonna, gonna screw i know they're watching me i they uh, you know i know i'm just gonna write you know i'm gonna write and i'm, I'm gonna, gonna send, get those letters you off know all, too, the, all we, the ravens we, we got i'm gonna yeah. send them all i'm gonna send all the ravens of course of course one of them got red and mm-hmm. you know Tyrion's going up there and he's like yeah you know he, he did it be so basically i think a catalyst to this like a trigger puller for Daenerys going getting maybe even worse uh is uh is definitely Varys deciding you know she's so bad that i just gotta i just gotta end it except that instead of you know his hopes and dreams of john snow saying i will take the iron throne and and puts her in chains <laughs> for it now um, <laughs> um he, gets, he gets he gets eaten and uh well uh maybe we maybe it was just better that we uh that we just start from a clean slate like just don't have no king's landing no more and rule from some other castle i don't know it's interesting i don't think i wouldn't say they're in not intelligent human beings uh, but dan and dave are 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 professionals? They got to this to this point, but I I think that they're either their desire to end this show quickly and get out of the project, or I don't know. Can we? What I'm saying is they suck right now. They they, they've had like six. They had six really amazing seasons, and this is the one season in a compressed timeline that has like double the amount of money spent on this season than last season, and. There, there were a lot of character arcs totally like screwed up because they didn't spend the requisite amount of time to i guess implant the the needed thing the, the i guess more recent like character shifts within the personality to give you oh man this chick is just gonna burn it i mean i
2: can, can we disagree that this this season could have absolutely been 10 episodes, and there's no reason not that. Oh, yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I think like so the they, last, the I didn't last,
0: understand season, that they were offered 10 episodes and they turned it down. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, so they did that last season, right? You know, they, they did seven instead of six. I, if you have seven episodes, if you have 10 episodes last season and then they fund it, I mean, HBO was funding it. This, this, this is a cow that you know the the utter is not, the utter the utter on this cow ain't going dry because they've got 3 projects in production which one of them should the pilot should premiere this summer apparently um well, yeah awesome. that, that
2: cow's going right in the stall right next to Star
1: Wars <laughs> yeah <laughs> that Star Wars so, cow that first so thing have, <laughs> th- this season could have had 10 episodes with long episodes too cuz think about like the battle the like battle of winterfell was 55 days of filming like if it was 55 days of filming how much stuff did you just junk that's what i wonder like how much of this script did you just throw out the window to sort of get to where you wanted to go uh, could could Daenerys have gone mad in a in a more developed sort of way yes i think you know uh, th- they they made a point to bring the valon prophecy into the show with uh with cersei so her not being killed by one of her brothers was very annoying i mean but i will say in a way cersei didn't get what she deserved but it was some type of justice to where she just died with her kingdom crumbling upon her
0: so i think that kind of sorry i keep (laughs) having to remember i have to talk quiet so that kind of gets to my point though um My biggest issue, even beyond the script, is, well, I guess it's kind of the script. It's just the fact that we have had so much buildup. The entire series has been about, oh, my God, night is, you know, winter's coming. Oh, my God, the Lannisters are in in charge of the Iron Throne. Oh, my God, all this type of stuff. And, you know, they dispatched the Night King in one episode, just... It's done. Okay. That one's taken care of. Click, you know, take that one off the list. Okay. Oh, Circe's dead. Okay. No problem. Now we've got that off the list. It's just, it's like there is no payoff for all of these years and years and years of buildup. And it's driving me crazy. It's like so compact. And so there's no, yeah, there's, I'm just not feeling it at all. Like at all. So it's very frustrating.
2: I wanna make this point and I will this will be the hill that I die on. Euron Greyjoy did kill Jamie Lannister. All right, because I mean Man was, if dead, he hadn't right? fought... man was dead. Well yeah, no, like... no, 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 no. so so if, if, if he hadn't fought Jamie and given him those injuries, made it to Cersei quicker and possibly gotten down to the um down the stairs before the entrance had caved in.
1: Oh, for, I mean, for sure, definitely. Yeah, so God, so so, shout out to Euron, man, you did it. So Euron fights a delay action for his own personal satisfaction, and uh, he dies, but, I mean, the reality is, I guess the time-lapse makes no sense to me, because, like, the amount of steps that, uh, there is no freaking elevators in Game of Thrones, just to let everyone know, like, like, (laughs) they prove this with Bran, there, there is one. There's, there's one, at, there's one Black. at the wall. There's one at the Castle Black, but outside of that... There Castle Black is OSHA approved, damn it.
0: Actually, there ain't no, a no elevator right
1: in, in, from the crypts of the Red Keep to the top to where he needed to go to grab her idiot ass and, uh, you know, the, the man would have bled out, but... The, you know if, and if he that action didn't get fought he would have gotten there and maybe they would have gone to pentos and lived happily ever after or they would have been slaves inside a pentoshi pleasure house hmm interesting
2: <laughs> there's a fanfic
0: <laughs> all right guys uh so are you up for talking about some rugby tonight? What are you saying? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Real quick, just let me say, uh, for those of you new to the podcast, normally we talk about rugby on Monday nights here on YouTube. Uh, this is Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, where we talk uh, about the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's our chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So, with that said, Aaron, why don't you tell us what we got coming up this episode? Uh, makeup games.
1: Toronto goes 2 0, I guess, really 3 uh, 0 in an eight day period. Uh, San Diego solidifies their position atop the league standings with victory. Uh, Seattle pushes New York out of the top four. Weather. I guess we're going to have some more makeup games. Is it It is not winter we should
0: fear? Apparently not. Yeah, it's it's Texas rain. That's the problem here. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, first things first. uh, Toronto played host to two games, uh, one on Thursday night and one on Sunday. And I need a little – so first up was Austin. That was Thursday night. Uh, Took on Toronto and uh, came away the loser. 13-24. 13-24. to 24. Toronto won that one. And then they won out the weekend by beating Utah 21-28 to 28 on Sunday. So, uh, let's see. Liam, I think you're going to lead us off with a little discussion on this one. Tell us what you're thinking.
2: Oh, am I going to lead us off? Well, I may as well just uh, jump right on into it. So, Austin got out ahead to uh, what I think was a 6-0 lead, um, th- thanks to the boot of uh, of their kicker. However, uh, there are games where Austin looks really competitive, and this was just not one of them, if you ask me. Um, you know, there, there's games where they, they they really put pressure on 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 the defense, put them on their back heel. Again, this wasn't one of them. Really, top 600 meters, they had a miserable gain line rate of 8. percent Toronto's defense—it's been criticized at times, but right now it's top five in the league, whether people like it or not—and uh, they had their way with Austin. Um meanwhile for Toronto I really love the talent flash by uh, Le- uh Leonardo uh, levias 112 total meters um wasn't even top 3 on his team plus the kid is only like 22 or 23 so big ceiling there um uh, I thought this was a great game for Toronto just in in terms of showcasing talent there was a lot of young guys on this team uh, that they wanted to save for the weekend game um you know obviously and I think this was a game that if you know had they lost and given Austin in that first win I don't think it would have been you know, morale, morale breaking. But the fact that they were able to get this win and, you know, continue this winning streak right now, um, you know, especially in the playoff push, they're a legitimate, they're a legitimate contender right now. And I got to give them props. Oh, right. so, um, so, wait, so, so are we, are we going to go ahead and talk about both Toronto games? Or yeah. Do, we, like, I, do I need to uh, let you
1: speak it? No, just, I, I was going to go through. Um, yeah whatever so uh <laughs> i guess i don't have a lot to say about the austin game uh you know hats off to toronto managing three matches in seven days solid stuff uh austin's Sack really nothing new um i would say uh, people think at least you know when they play against each other that they're relatively competent uh scoreline gives them a good acquittal i, I didn't really they, they can't turn they're I don't know when they're gonna turn the corner probably next season uh, whatever when, whatever that is probably you know halfway. but uh yeah, the score line uh, really, I think really uh, shows that they weren't in this but it didn't get away. like their defense is still like their def- uh, well, of the two their Austin's defense is very good uh, if they could have a competent attack that could at least get to the game line. You know, they, they might have had 8%. Yeah, they might have had not, 8%. Not, not in this one, but I'm saying, like, they might have a win. Um, but uh, the, I think the attack sort of, like, he still saw the pattern and what they wanted to do. But they're, they, they sort of went backwards, obviously, you know, with an 8% gain line percentage rate. Uh, so, you know, so Toronto, they got a bunch of guys some time, uh, which was really good uh, to see some of that depth uh, you know some people are saying hey they have the deepest bench I think the difference with Toronto is not that they have a deep bench it's that their bench right now is the healthiest even with you know the likes of a Jack Nay who is out for the rest of the season who really wasn't available that long either he was only able to play in two games and they're sort of missing him uh, and we'll go into some of the guys that were out in the second game.
2: So Aaron let me ask you this are the Houston Sabercats Austin's last
1: chance at a win this season? Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah. I th- I, I think the, oh but here's the thing. Austin is also the Houston Sabercats last chance at a win, too. Oh, we're oh, we're gonna win the game.
2: I'm, I'm 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 not putting out any any energy into the world as if the Sabercats are gonna lose that game, bro. Austin's Austin's going to have to come into a Viva. Well, a very, very hungry, hungry saber cat squad, ready to I mean, feast. They, man. They, they, I mean,
1: unless, unless, well, so New York, the way New York was looking before this weekend, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. However, Call Marsh is is this weekend. He's he showed that he's fully healthy. It took him like three weeks to get back into full form, but he can kick, he can dish, he can burst through the gain line, he can do everything. So I think. They're you know they they ain't gonna get a chance when they travel to New York. I'll tell you
2: that right. Now. So I, I just want to say I'm I'm laughing really stupidly because you use the word dished right as like the when I first met Cahill Marsh. He, we were putting food on our plates like at the buffet after a game, <laughs> and that's where I struck up like my, my a conversation with him. And like, I was thinking about that, right? I say he dished, and I was like, he did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh,
0: yeah,
2: shall we talk about the Utah game? There, mate? yeah,
1: yeah, let's talk about the Utah game.
2: Yeah, all right. Hold on. Let me do my Luke Beauchamp vo- vo- uh, voice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Poachy, how you doing? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um. So for Toronto versus Utah, so talk about Utah looking good, getting some stuff done, but still not coming away with the win. Uh, This one has to hurt like hell, because not only do you give away a line out near the try zone but your late scramble out of your own try zone at the end of the game it just looked kind of cluster I don't know. Uh, Utah outgained the arrows seven hundred and fifty meters in uh, a fifty-two percent possession advantage to only five hundred and sixty-nine meters from Toronto. So weird, kind of big disparity there. But then again, I actually haven't seen any numbers on this lately, to be honest. But it kind of seems to me like the arrows aren't even like ones to rack up the meters like on a week by week basis. It's, 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 really, it's usually like
1: a yeah, it's like a ball control forward. they They're very they're very kicky. You know, yeah. like the, I think one of the things that they've shown is that they like to keep the ball. They they like to put it in play that way.
2: But 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 I mean, you look at that forward pack though. It's 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 not. It, it's guys who have engines. Like you know, in a, in a like the um. So I, I can't. I'm I'm not on the page right now. But I'm pretty sure they have a lot of eighty minute players. So you know, on, on a week by week basis. In this game,
1: in, in this game, in the forwards, they're really. Like, there wasn't a whole lot, at least up front. But, I mean, still, you get uh, Andrew Quatrin, 70 minutes, Shep, 80 minutes, John Moonlight, 78 minutes, Milazzo 80 minutes. So, so really, their back row can go the distance every time.
2: I just want to talk about Johnny Moonlight, best name in rugby. They're, I would honestly love to see somebody kind of come forth with that. Okay. But, Hold on no, anyway. hold
0: hold up. Hold up, hold up. Yeah, you're saying that Johnny Moonlight's name is better than Harley Davidson's name.
2: Oh fuck!
1: Oh (laughs) yeah. Actually, yes. the The Mooner has. It's like so. A man like I mean, until unless Harley Davidson ends up on the Eagles fifteen or on the Eagles sevens, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Sadly, it would be nice though if he some. And then you just hear. I need to pull some uh like the the vi- like a johnny moonlight uh tribute but man there are some great calls on his games it's like and johnny freaking moonlight and like, it's it's like uh johnny like johnny's great like, like it's- jo- johnny
2: moonlight's the name like you put on your fake id when you're 16 <laughs> <laughs> no no actually no i don't even want to say that because the name johnny moonlight is truly badass like it's I, I, it's a stage name or something like that. Like I don't even know. My God, like, uh, John it, Wayne. <laughs> if Johnny Moonlight showed up to every game wearing sunglasses, a leather jacket, and smoking a cigarette, I literally would just be like, "That's Johnny Moonlight, man."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh,
2: all right, but anyway, Johnny, if you want to hit me up about a potential acting career, maybe we can float some ideas. But uh, I want to talk about your. Uh, I want to talk about your teammate Dan Moore dude because one i i was saying how uh toronto usually employs this very controlled attack ball like you know uh you know like other, other than the kicking like like we said they have some big talent in the forwards dan moore though is one of those people that you know deep defenses get worn down uh, making the tackles on the toronto's forward attack and then you have people like that in the back who can just open it up and you know, by the time that the, uh, the entire defense has kind of been pulled in, uh, you know, through this, you know, near pick and go strategy, there's not a whole lot of defense out there. And that's why, you know, again, Toronto, they don't always rack up the meters, but they do score the points you know, as evidenced by their uh, recent win streak. But you want to talk about another huge disparity in this game. Toronto made 197 tackles compared to only 133 from Utah. And we always talk about in the show, you know, how usually if your team is making a shitload of tackles, you aren't scoring a lot of points. So I
0: did
1: so you look at that one, right? It, it's yeah. sort of very similar and you, you could take this whichever way, but the way they're playing defense is sort of very similar to the way San Diego has played defense. Like they are just like they for the most part, I mean, they were on the back foot a significant portion of this game, and then they just shut it down.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's it's hard to play. The, the thing about San Diego, the um, I I was in I was in a coach's meeting, you know, with the with the SaberCats, and like they they mentioned this: their speed on defensive transitions. So if San Diego loses the ball, they're real there's no hiccups in terms of like the way their players can position themselves to uh, for, you know, for the for the counter attack. And that's something that a lot of teams, especially the SaberCats, have been aiming to do recently. It's See, uh, San Diego is just essentially seamless in terms of how they transition uh, from offense to defense, and it's pretty damn enviable. Uh, However, we're, is, we're 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 not even talking about San Diego yet, man. I'm, yeah. We're getting like, ahead hey, there. hey. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, uh, let's. Uh,
2: so well, I I, did, I I do just want to you know wrap up with the arrows. Uh, they managed to hold the Warriors to under five meters of carry, which again, you know, when you need to kill the clock, making tackles near behind the gain line is your best friend. Uh, you know, and the 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 Warriors—they're—they're they're another one of these teams that have a huge line break threat. You know, all throughout the back line, and so when you keep when you keep them to under five five meters of carry, that's definitely saying something in terms of how your defense was able to shut them down.
1: Well, one of the things to look at, especially in this game, and and we're seeing it: teams that most teams that commit a lot of penalties better have not uh, better not turn over the ball because. If they lead both categories, they're going to lose. And in this game, uh, even though uh, Utah had 750 meters gained and then made 728 meters from their kicking game, so they played really good ball position. uh, And then they also had a higher pass differential. They had 43 more passes. So in theory, they were trying to break through that defense. Uh, they, They conceded 19 turnovers and... Uh, 11 infringements total with uh, one penalty conceded and one free kick conceded. So you're definitely going to lose there. Uh, they had a faster quick ball. Like their breakdown was really good. You know, some jackling uh, where they, where they suffered. And it was interesting. I think we, you know, people were saying, why is, uh, why are the commentators talking about the scrum dominance of Utah? I will say uh, statistically speaking, Utah did win 100% of their scrums, but the thing that was thing that something they've struggled with has been their lineout. Uh, they were only 67% on their lineout in this game, which uh, I mean, for such a close game it really negatively affected them. Uh, overall, uh, this was an arrows hammering away like John Henry. just just strike, strike.
2: Beat him up, beat him up, break yeah. his neck, break his neck.
1: But uh, I guess one player I sort of want to highlight I, I think uh, Pat Clifton talked about this guy, although I don't think Pat really knows this guy's story. But uh, so Morgan Mitchell, he's a smaller prop. He's like 5'6, 250. So very one inch type as a tight head prop, very small, powerful, stout. Uh, not really a Ben Obano. Ben Obano is bigger than both of those dudes, but Ben Obano's the loose head. Normally, your loose head is a lot, a good, at least an inch or two longer than your than your tight head prop. Uh, you know, but Mitchell, like he's he's more special than just being a smaller guy. Like this is a guy who has made it. You know, played a lot of minor ten, made it into Highlanders training squad. But the thing that almost stopped him from playing rugby. Two years ago uh the fact that he's deaf and in order to like continue playing rugby he had to get a cochlear implant in both uh in both ears so that he could you know hear people uh for a while when he was playing i think for the southland uh with the stags in the miter 10 he like he was completely deaf like he had like something had done, been done so that he could hear a little bit and then uh, an injury. I, I'm not sh- wholly sure here, but he went back to being completely deaf and could only read lips. So, uh, you know, his sur- luckily, I guess his surgeon is a rug- was a rugby guy and said, "Hey, uh, th- this isn't a big deal. Uh, you, if 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 it fails because you're playing rugby, we can do it again. We can repeat the surgery, and as long as you wear a scrum cap, you you can you can scrum and he did scrum very well." Against and Scrum him. he did. And you know, and Scrum he did. Against both uh, first Franco Vandenberg and then Hulu Halo uh, he actually made Hulu concede two scrum penalties. So uh, if you want to look at uh, you know how uh, teams do, you wanna see, you know, how they concede penalties in the scrum as well.
0: Excellent. So we uh, had that game on those games on Thursday and Sunday, but in between on Saturday, we had two hells of matches. Uh, Holy cow, two very close matches. The first one of the day was San Diego visiting New Orleans, and they came away with a win 26 19, but it. It was quite the effort on uh, San Diego's part to get that win. So Aaron, why don't you start talking us through it? is a
1: very interesting game. Uh, NOLA is I, what appears to be so is one of the few teams that can bring the same physical intensity that San Diego uh, has brought uh, throughout the second half of this season. I didn't really know if they can do that, but they did do that. Uh, they weren't able to uh, execute their attack as much as they wanted to. Uh, and play had to play more of a ball position game, and and really that was helped by the return of Scotty Gale, uh, you know, hi, him being back to fitness and being able to start at fly half uh, is very important. Someone mentioned they mentioned on the broadcast that uh, Gale and Joe Peterson played on the same team in the Japanese top league, so that's kind of cool. Uh, New Orleans, you know, they they knew what their matchups were. They knew that they needed to exploit base and they did that you know with scott scotty had 11 kicks uh nick we'll talk about nick feeks as well san diego you know they were going to play their ball placement in offload style which they did you know running hard trying to break the game line uh from from feeks and gale combined we had over 500 kicking meters that doesn't even include J.P. eloff right uh both teams really sort of similar in how they how they attacked i think uh You know, Nate Osborne just adjusted really what he wanted to do. Uh, They could still play a fast up-tempo game, but that San Diego defense really shifts what a lot of people do. Uh, But the cool thing about New Orleans is they have a lot of these backs that can kick. Scott Gale, uh, you know, Nick Feeks, J.P. Eloff, uh, Tristan Blewett, and uh, Con Foley. All of these guys, and Tim Maupin, all of these guys are able to kick. And all of them did kick on the weekend. Uh, you know, what if I said a San Diego tied this weekend for the lowest penalties conceded of any MLR team in in this weekend? I would believe you because I've... Looked at the stats, but <laughs> <laughs> well, most people wouldn't. Yeah, right? no, they, they are the leader in in yellow cards, and they are the leader in total penalties this season. Uh, you know that that that's which really hampered them uh, up in Toronto, uh, but uh, you know they they held on to they held on to the ball just a little bit better, and they conceded a lot less penalties i mean both these teams conceded i think it was i think it's the the turnover so turnovers was 16 to 19 in favor of noah was 16 total 16 turnovers and it was just really humid they both played with a, a wet ball but uh you know they they only had eight uh total infringements but six penalties wow like that's different for them. Uh, I think that really had a significant effect on this game because normally they they, they commit a lot of penalties. Uh, even though they they have backs go down somehow, some way, San Diego has found you know some guys just to just to throw there. I mean, some of these guys have played uh, on the team all season. Like Connor Kern stepping in at twelve and then throwing JP Duplices, uh out uh, to 13, where he's played throughout the, throughout the year as well. Uh, Tye when he first, his first game, when, uh, when Joe Peterson got not, I uh, will out of the game. Um, I think it was a leg injury. Uh, he, he showed some great creativity. Uh, the difference now is we're seeing a Tye that is fully fit. Uh, I think, you know, playing behind Joe, he's coming back to a level he hasn't been in years and will probably develop better and beyond where he was as an Eagle. Uh, Will Holder uh, was critical of him last year with uh, Seattle. I, you know, uh, this is a guy who has a lot of talent, has a lot of talent. And I think where I think he should play and where, where some people have tried to leverage him is not where, where he had even played in this one. I think he's more of a center. Uh, He can distribute and he can kick, uh, he, he does have some work to do when he was uh, slotted off the wing, but really playing in the fullback role on defense. He he did not have the wheels that Joe Peterson or even uh, Mikey, or and not or even, but what Mikey Teo hasn't able to chase down some of those balls and almost gave some of those up uh, with the speedsters of the null backline on the kick chase. Uh, prop, but um, what did he do? He is now 100% for kicking. With San Diego, he only had to kick one conversion, but uh, he did not really kick all that well uh, when he was with Seattle last year. So that is a very good start for him in his second game. Um, I think fitness for San Diego really is just much different than the rest of the league. Uh, like they went from a, you know, not humid place in San Diego, chilling by the beach to New Orleans, although by the beach, a much more humid place. And they went the distance. Uh, so as far as, you know, we talk about marketing uh, across the league and, and and where things are. Let's let's talk about where New Orleans Gold are in and the consciousness of the state. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser was out to watch the match and enjoy some rugby, and he presented uh, the NOLA Gold with an award, which I'm not sure what it was, but I will find out. But that really shows you – where their outreach is, I mean, the state board of tourism is one of the, is one of their main sponsors. So that's that shows you really where uh, the gold are as far as the consciousness of and getting the word out with rugby. Now they just need to get people in the stands. Although they're 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 building, like their average attendance is much well, I would say significantly higher because they're a small market team from where they were last
0: season. I, I well, did so, have real quickly. I'm sorry to interrupt. I did have to laugh at uh, the lieutenant governor tweeting about that, though. He tweeted tonight, um, about six thirty Eastern Time, uh, saying that he, congratulations to the number one team in Major League Rugby. And,
1: well, uh, they were number one. They, ah, were, they ah, were at the time.
0: Ah, yeah. Ah, uh, ah, so. ah, ah,
1: number one in our hearts. Number
0: yep, one absolutely one number one in Louisiana.
1: No, they're two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Liam. Please uh, tell us what you thought of the game.
2: Well, I was just going to say that, like, you know, in terms of endorsements in Louisiana, I would say it goes first John Goodman and then Lieutenant Governor. So they're, che- they're checking off boxes, definitely. But, you know, I think they went, uh, they started from the top there. Now they're here. Anyway, I love this game. I posted a poll on Twitter on Sunday night uh, after all the games had concluded, asking fans what game they thought was a little bit more exciting. NOLA versus San Diego or Rooney versus Seattle? Now, Rooney versus Seattle won with a pretty commanding 71% in the poll, but it needs to be said that the Seawolves retweeted the tweet within like five minutes of me sending it. So that might have skewed the uh, results a little bit, but we'll talk about that a little later.
1: Anyway. Uh, Well, was that really more exciting? Maybe it was more exciting to the Seawolves fans. Sorry, guys. You guys went out and thumped New, uh, New York in the first half and then fell apart.
2: Silly New York. Comebacks are are for Brady's. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I just want to say Nola kept it tight. Despite getting outgained by San Diego, 808 meters to 576. Uh, Take a look at what they were doing with those passes. Uh, They only managed about like four and a half meters per carry. um, While San Diego came out with a solid 5.0 on the dot in that metric not a ton of penalties as Aaron was saying uh, which makes a game like this even better like when guys can just let loose in open play and uh, you know it, it it always makes for a great game especially when these teams have the personnel that they do it makes for you know really exciting rugby to watch however one glaring weak spot for the goal and you got to give it to give it up to San Diego this scrum is just amazing but NOLA only had an 83 win percentage in the scrum today, which in the modern era of rugby where scrum halves can basically, you know, flick it towards their own side. Like, you know, like how does that even happen? Um, Whatever. Um, NOLA, they can be deadly when they're executing their starter plays, you know, cleanly out of the set piece, um, you know, but, but, but they just kind of gave chances away, you know, when it came to this game, and that's I think it's a big factor in why they lost. Uh, you know, why they lost the ultimate result. However, they did manage two lineout steals, so props on that. Uh, San Diego had two players over the century mark in rushing: the ever exciting Mikey Teo and JP Duplassis. Uh JP was actually credited with I think try at one point accidentally. Uh, yeah, don't know how that happened. Just. Bad technical directing, but hey, Tristan Blue had also had 120 meters on the day, so that's another good thing for Nola. Um, Nola still one of the top teams in the league, but they've definitely slowed down a little bit in the latter half of the season. Um, definitely going to be a playoff team, championship team. We'll see.
1: Uh, one of the one of the things that I didn't mention was uh, um, was locks. Um, the, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, that the uh, so Nicola Bursic has played lock before at the international level with Gleg, but uh, he has played a lot of six this year. thank you. but uh, he had to go, he's smaller than Luke White and everyone knows my opinion on using Luke White as a as a lock as a tight head lock forward, right? Uh, but I, I, we
2: always want to see Luke White play. Whatever uh, chance they have to get him on the
1: field, I'm yeah, all well, for it. I, I mean, you know, these guys need to play, but one of the things that is hurting their scrum, I think, where's John Sullivan? Like, is he – he's injured? He needs to come back because, you know, it's just – it's really it's really pretty rough with uh, lock depth in this league is really uh the it's really struggling and that's why we're seeing the likes of uh you know was it not ronan mccusker coming into uh as a loan for a bottom place team in in austin so uh we need to do better on finding locks and by finding locks i don't mean ones that play rugby possibly play basketball or football and investing the time to develop them.
2: So. There's even talks about taking a door off its hinges and having it play rugby. <laughs> Some of these doors have great locks, man. Have you seen them? <laughs> Especially in New Orleans, dude.
0: <laughs> Problem solved.
2: Right? Modern problems require modern solutions, man. I grew up on Dave Chappelle. <laughs>
0: So, uh, Aaron, you already mentioned the outcome for uh, Seattle traveling to Rooney, but um, Seattle did come away with a win in New York City, 38-31, in spite of a rough second half. Uh, Liam, take us into this one.
2: Corey, you sound like you're doing a podcast from a library, man. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like you're doing a rugby ASMR video, dude. And, like, if you don't know what ASMR is, like, I very much implore you to look it up. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Corey, you honestly could have a career. Uh, anyway, L- I'll go back, back on, to rugby. Will,
0: later on, I'll just be smacking my lips and drinking water.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be – the podcast will be going late tonight. It will be Corey rustling papers and making dad noise. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
2: you know there's somebody in, in their house right now listening to this just like <laughs> i mean asmr is not inherently sexual either so i shouldn't even but
0: <laughs> let's be honest oh yeah, god I mean, it, all it, right it, it a little
2: anyway um Seattle versus Rooney, final score of 38-31. to This game lived up to a lot of people's expectations. However, I feel like Rooney definitely walked away from this one, especially disappointed considering just how tight this playoff race is and how many times it kind of gave this one away. Uh, In total of statistics, uh, Seattle 810 meters total, uh, Rooney 685. Uh, Here's a kicker that's always a good indicator of who might have lost. Turnovers, because Rooney had 11 of them. Including one apiece piece in the breakdown and in the lineout. Yeah, you're not going to be a. Yeah, I, 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 is, that, is that another uh, ASMR noise? <laughs> uh, can we can we talk about Ben Foden? I'm going to talk about Ben phone 139 meters, dude. Great game, out of, you know, out of the scrummy man. It's. You you don't see a lot of dudes with just his ability to move like that, you know, it's, it it looks like you might need like a, like you know a 45 slug just to make it through his chest plate. Yeah, but can he tackle? It's going to take a 45 to bring him down, man. I don't think that's no, gonna can matter, he, in a zombie can, does, does he
1: does he tackle?
2: Uh, I haven't seen the statistics on that, Aaron, but I'm sure you're gonna tell us something about it during your turn.
1: Saying he doesn't tackle much, but
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he definitely didn't tackle Matt Turner a whole lot because, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Matt Turner 160 total meters and how many tries, Aaron? Uh, one, uh, dos. I didn't even do the uh, like like his average meters per carry just because I was like, damn, on that. Uh, yeah, on that on that total. So yeah, big shout out to Matt Turner, huge catalyst in how the Seattle team was able to move it. Uh, however, Seattle was Se- Seattle. They, they've shown some leaks on that defense. They've shown that when New York is allowed to execute cleanly, uh, kind of like how, how I said with Nola, when they're allowed to execute cleanly out of the set piece, they're going to hurt you, especially with people like Cahill Marsh and Connor Wallace Sims who are not only pretty technically sound in terms of their footwork but they have a high rugby IQ and they can absolutely burn you if you give them open space and there's a lot of people on this Rooney team who have that ability in one way or another. Seattle uh you know they're a great team when they're executing and when they're balanced they're nearly unstoppable. But if you get them just a little bit, you know, on the fringe, if you get them on their back heel and just a little bit flustered and if you can execute on them, that's the way to beat them.
1: So uh, when it comes to like how this game worked out, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I missed a bit of it because of the scheduling piece. So I had to go back and rewatch them this first 10 minutes, really pretty even given the roster shifts with some of the guys being fully fit. I expected uh, more from New York. Uh, I did pick the Seawolves originally. They accomplished that task, but they did almost snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I, um, Like I said, and the minutes 11 to 19 show, uh, man, the old Seawolves, they wrecked New York. 21 points in about nine-ish minutes. Uh, two of those tries come from uh, Matt Turner just cutting up the Dude. body that is the rooster like a laser scalpel. Not just a scalpel, but a laser scalpel. Um, and also Rikert Hadding getting after it as well in that sandwich of tries. Uh, sadly, the attack for the Puddle Pups in the wasn't as good for them in the second half. Uh, I think New York responded uh, with their own fitness and some pride. Uh, played possession game and forced turnovers. One of the things that really affected uh, Seattle in that half was, oh man. They, ooh, they committed a lot of penalties. Uh, in fact, they committed what was it? So eight straight penalties. Uh, to, which really sort of led to some of these some of these tries. Uh, and uh, whereas same uh, New York really had some penalties early on uh, in the game. If you look at how the the pe- infringement flow works, uh, and it really just didn't help. Uh, you, you know, you, you got to keep your hands out of the ruck. You got to be really, guys, if you're going to commit like seven offside penalties, eh, come on, that's not going to help you. Like that's really the penalties and the turnovers really negatively affected uh, Seattle in that second half. But at the end of the day, they were able to score more. So there we go. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, some of these guys, uh, the, the tempo, let's talk about the tempo, uh, JP Smith, which is fast service out of scrum and ruck, uh, which is much different. Uh, like uh, the styles of play between him and Mac are different. And it really allowed, uh, Seattle to push that tempo early on in the game. They didn't really have it probably because of the turnovers, probably because of the penalties in the second half when they went, um, before they went to Phil Mac and when they went to Phil Mac, it just wasn't different. Uh, the judge himself Sear, the justice sears duru had 18 tackles in defense uh but a, a season high tackles uh for Rikert hatting uh with 26 really good from really good day from him overall uh nice to see for new york nice to see Cahal marsh back into full fitness slotting kicks whenever he wants to or needs to uh will leonard uh, he played last week but he played very well this weekend. And Dylan Fawcett. Um interesting question for everyone is New York over reliant on Dylan Fawcett. That's a well, thought. You can answer it now and you can hate me later on Twitter. <laughs> I don't I
2: don't think to say over reliant is is Dylan Fawcett an overachiever, I guess you could say because uh, it's th- I think they I think they want to utilize a balanced attack. They have the pieces in the back line and both and and in the scrum to do it. I think Dylan Fawcett is just kind of a Mr. Do Everything who, you know, isn't screwing it up for his team in that regard. And there's there's, there's people in this <laughs> in, in this league who are Mr. Do Everythings who kind of screw shit up.
0: All right, and Josh, uh, Josh weighed in. We're and-
2: having our own conversation in the sidebar, so whenever you hear those long pauses, that's just like me and Aaron. <laughs> uh,
0: Josh said yes, uh, that they're definitely too reliant on Fawcett. So.
2: Yeah, Josh, well, how about you join us on the goddamn podcast and maybe you can give that opinion yourself.
1: <laughs> but,
2: um, show your face, Snoke. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, so uh the last game of the weekend didn't actually happen. Um that one just quick note that uh Glendale traveling to Houston got rained out uh, Mm. because of torrential downpours you guys have been having down there. Uh Liam, what's the weather been like?
2: Dude, like I'm a so this is no exaggeration. Like I've seen like a lot of rain before, especially up in Vermont, there was like a, a lot of storms, like, you know, around this time of year. That was the most rain I've ever seen in my freaking life in a span of two days. Like that, the, the night that that huge ass, like cell moved, moved through, like, so I guess what happened is like the Gulf of Mexico, like was especially warm. It kind of stalled out. And as it stalled out, it just got all warmer and angrier. And then finally, like when it came through, like outside my window, like I could read to the lightning practically. And the wind was just whipping the next morning. There's freaking shopping carts, like all over my parking lot that freaking blew over the fence from the goddamn, uh, like, like a shopping center, like, like over my fence. Like, I think it has to, I think they had to make it over train tracks. I'm not even kidding you guys. Like, yeah. So it was pretty <laughs> intense. Um, however, I, I sent you guys like, like, um, uh, in the group email, a picture, um, Aviva actually didn't get, um, damage that Bad, like if at all, there's a lot of puddles in the parking lot. The field was, you know, the field was okay. It, was, it didn't look that bad. I, we were on the uh, on the practice fields today, and they were totally fine. uh However, I think the, a, a large reason as to why the game was canceled was the roads around it were just crappy. I tried to drive down makawa Road, which is, you know, if you're coming from my apartment, it goes down to Airport Boulevard, and then you take the right, and you're kind of going towards Aviva. Then. I couldn't even get down it, dude, because there was just mad traffic and, you know, branches and, like, emergency vehicles. And especially in that time, you don't want to get in the way of first responders. So it's best just to kind of go home and do your thing. But, yeah, but I'm going to get an extra paycheck towards the end of the month for uh, for my June
0: rent, okay. which is good. That is a good thing. We're losing um, Liam a little extra bit. internet. So. Uh, he'll be back in a second Uh, suffice it to say that game has been rescheduled Uh, so Glendale will be down in Houston on Wednesday May 29th for a makeup game so be on the lookout for that at the end of the month all right guys well uh, usually we like to go through and uh, check out uh, our our horrible terrible rotten jobs we did picking uh, picking the game so If you're good with it, I'll just go ahead and uh, uh, quietly read through that list real quick. So first up, Thursday night, we had uh, Austin at Toronto. That game was 13-24 to in Toronto's favor. Aaron, you had Toronto by 10. Liam had Toronto by 16, and I had Toronto by 3. So Aaron, you're the closest on that one. Uh, For Saturday, we had uh, San Diego 26 over New Orleans 19, Aaron, you had Nola by one. Liam, you had uh, San Diego by five, and I had Nola by five. So, Liam, you're the winner on that one. <laughs> uh, for Saturday's game, uh, second game, we had uh, Seattle at Rooney. Uh, Seattle was the winner, 38 to 31. Aaron, you had Seattle by five. Liam had them by six, and I had Rooney by 10. So, Sucks um, to be you. I was going to say, the takeaway here is I was a loser on all three of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's awesome. So I would just kind of like to say I think I should be given a win for my pick on Glendale versus Houston.
0: Uh, so your pick <laughs> on that one was aliens will pull the plug on our virtual reality at halftime. Tell me they didn't. Prove to me they didn't. Yeah, well, there was no halftime, so.
2: It, it, that's what they want you to think. <laughs>
0: Uh, the final game of the weekend was Sunday night's uh, Utah at Toronto, and Toronto won that twenty-eight to twenty-one. And Aaron, you had Toronto. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I picked this one wrong too. <laughs> uh, Aaron had Toronto by five. Liam had Toronto by ten, and I had Utah by three. Holy crap!
2: I mean, wow. you weren't like
0: dead wrong. You weren't Sucks like to suck. Yeah, dude. Like you, no, no, I, I was wrong. Let's, let's just call it what it is. I, I was wrong on every damn game. <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, uh, take us through the standings as of week 16.
1: All right. Solidification with 14 matches played by San Diego Legion at a 10-3-1 record. Uh, man, that point differential is sexy with uh, plus 139. Um, They have 10 bonus points, uh, 52 total table points. At second, with 13 uh, matches played, 9-4-0, 15 total bonus points because NOLA is very good at getting those losing bonus points. 51 uh, behind, and we will get to see them in a couple weeks again in San Diego. Toronto is 9-5. and I mean... Um, there are some people not helping themselves and they helped themselves with some victories and some bonus point victories this week, uh, sitting at third, 48 total table points and some bonus points as well. Uh, Seattle really changed everything up for the league. Nine and four winning away at New York, 46 table points, uh, New York sits in 5th at 9-4 and four as well with 44 table points. And I think it's just getting a little bit tougher for uh, Glendale to sort of make it into the playoffs right now. They are 7-4-2 and two with 42 table points. But they probably, I would say because they have a knack for gaining bonus points, probably finish in 5th. And New York might finish in sixth. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, and Utah has also this knack for gaining a lot of bonus points. Uh, they are 210 and 1 uh, at seventh. Uh, I don't think the Sabercats will catch them. They have 17 table points. And Sabercats at 2 and 10 with 11 table points. And, you know, same old story. Same old story. Yeah. Four table points at ninth is the austin elites
0: speaking of sucking to suck (laughs) all right week 17 is upon us uh first up on saturday at 5 p.m eastern on espn plus we have uh the saber cats traveling to new orleans aaron what do you think
1: no one gold minus 15 I'm going to go,
2: uh, I'm actually going to make a guess on this one. I'm going to, uh, so for those that uh, follow me on Twitter, at Poacher definitely follow me. I have made a bet with the president of the NOLA Gold fan club, Ms. Adrian, you are a good fan of the show. I do enjoy you. However, I, I am a gambling man, and sometimes the odds are not always in my favor. I roll the dice anyway. So, if the Sabercats fall to the NOLA Gold on, uh, on Saturday, I will have to don a NOLA Gold cap. I also have a NOLA Gold necklace that, you, uh, that Adrian gave me last time we saw each other at a game, uh, so I will be donning that too. However, if the Sabercats somehow win... Now, this is really weird. I'm all about... Uh, y'all know me. I'm all about Boston. I want him to write a 150-word essay describing to me exactly why the Tulane uh why the Tulane green wave what a dumb name is inferior to the Boston College Eagles you know that that just a storied history rich university college
0: i feel like you're saying a lot of words and i don't know what most of them mean <laughs> but
2: uh... yeah that's <laughs> sabercat meetings dude like and like, like not like not the rugby meetings like the media meetings i'm just
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, gonna go with a big win for nola on this one i'm gonna say they win by 20 over houston yeah Corey. <laughs> i'm gonna be right one of these weeks actually mm-hmm. the best thing i could do honestly would be to say that uh NOLA is gonna win at this point i'm probably helping you yeah. All right, so uh, next up on Saturday is uh, Seattle at Glendale. That is 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Aaron, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going Seattle minus three, and this is going to be a high-scoring affair.
2: Uh, I am going to go with Seattle, minus 10. It's going to be a pretty close game all throughout, but Seattle's going to eventually pull away at the 68th minute, exactly.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and say Glendale uh, wins this one, just because I'm going to give them the uh, home field advantage on it. So I think it is going to be a close game, though. Uh, the night cap on Saturday is San Diego at Utah. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Aaron, what do you think?
1: no. Nah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go, you know, Utah's going to do what they did, keep it interesting, but still a dominating win for San Diego, minus 15.
2: Uh, I'm going to go not-so-dominating performance by Utah. I'm going to uh, go San Diego, minus 21.
0: And I'm gonna go ahead and call this one a little bit closer than you guys. I'm gonna say San Diego by ten. Okie so. dokie there, guy. All right. Oh, so, nine. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. That's that's good there. Um <laughs> Brian
2: Ray just hitting his head against the table right now. <laughs> so, oh, I'm right. gonna go out and get some Tim Hortons. I need to calm down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Could you pass me the vapor syrup? Well, you need spare parts there, aren't you, guy?
1: <laughs> I think it's like a rig's a rig's shake is 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 his current jam, <laughs> um, which is just chocolate milk and vanilla. Apparently, yeah. I mean, uh, hey. just. Well, so Brian Ray, I I
2: want to challenge Canada versus Vermont in a poutine off. Uh I will
1: I will die on that damn hill. So uh, as far as I don't know about that poutine, but I saw some southern poutine. And no, like- don't even, dude. Friggin- oh, I, hey. That regular poutine looks disgusting. I never – no. Well, delicious. A, are you kidding but me right now? I will
0: literally fight you.
1: <laughs> well, uh, poutine southern poutine – What
0: is, poutine, is not to love about this?
1: Southern poutine uh, is fries, okay? Obviously the fries. But then you got a sausage gravy, okay? A little bit of cheese, and then a fried egg on top. Now, that don't sound delicious, well – Everything in the South is delicious. That's not the
2: point. <laughs> Have you ever eaten a meal past the Mason Dixon dude? Are you kidding me? Like it's
0: they still know what's what's good. They still know cooking with butter is the way to go.
2: Yeah. The the South might not rise again, but I'll be goddamn if their cholesterol don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> boom. <laughs>
0: So the last game of the weekend is Sunday. Uh, that is Austin traveling to New York, 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I'm guessing we have similar uh, outcomes on this one, guys.
1: Well, Austin ain't got a chance. Uh, but, uh, you know, New York might just screw it up enough to not, like, make a dominating win, but still, like, New York minus 10.
2: Yeah. Um, so unless – Unless my, my, my fan fiction novel of PG of Cyborg Pedri Vandenberg comes true, I don't think uh, Austin's going to pull this one out, Rooney minus 20. However, Cyborg P.G. Vonnenberg, he changes the game.
0: Okay. Well, if that happens, we'll let you know about it next week. But until then, I'm going to say Rooney wins this one by 22. And that takes us down to my favorite segment every week. Questions from Bob. Ah. So, uh, just as a quick reminder, we get these—well, uh, a lot of these anyway—off of our Reddit page, and so that's Reddit.com/r/mlrugby. slash Be sure to check that out, and I post a thread each Monday. Uh, I try to get it up in the morning or Sunday night, uh, asking for requests. So, starting this off, one of uh, one of our regular contributors, say me. Nee, who is having a cake day today, so happy cake day, my friend, asks, i turn this towards me so I can actually read it. Does MLR plans require an injury report similar to other major U.S. sports?
2: Well, not to the media. Not to the media, so yeah. I have to, yeah, get, these. I have be... to get
1: these on my own. I'm not allowed to publish them. I have to make requests and maybe GMs will answer the question. Not. yeah so, um it, it, it's like it's like sometimes there's it's it's
2: like it, like if you observe that a player is clearly hurt then you know it's not like you can like you're just gonna straight up deny and be like oh yeah he's hurt you know but it's not like teams are gonna be like oh so and so got hurt in practice and he's a little banged up you know yeah. it's just
1: uh, yeah, so gambling—you know—that's what drives this stuff. I, I think, as the, the league is concerned, uh, I think they're working, or, or we are working on this stuff. But I, I don't know. There are projects in the in the queue, but I don't know the timeline of this specific one. Yes, you may think it's easy, but I will tell you that the the systems used for this in other leagues are much more complicated than just an email because they like it. It's insurance and all this other stuff.
0: All right. Uh Colin 45 asks, with Johnny Moonlight playing 3 games in a week, are we sure he's not a machine and actually a human? Oh god. Cyborg Johnny Moonlight.
1: <laughs> Johnny, he he's an awesome guy. Uh not sure how much we'll see of him the rest of the season because his day job is um one of Ontario's finest as a firefighter. So there you
0: go. So three plays three uh rugby matches and still managed to save a kitten from a tree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There you go.
2: Good. <laughs> Can we make a movie on this guy?
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um okay, uh winter 0215. Is there a general sense of how the powers that be are feeling about this season? Do people think the underlying numbers are moving in the right direction? And I assume I there's mean, more attendance and viewership, so,
1: right? So attendance were already over a hundred thousand people having entered the gate of uh uh, of MLR teams. I think quality of play is still like even though we're seeing it kind of drop because of fitness, because of injuries, is still better than where we were last year. So I think the metrics as far as are overall good. Um I think I, I'm going to answer the question about whether I guess which would be a feeling like Yeah. Um
2: I'm from, from everything that I've heard from, you know, the powers that be numbers definitely are trending in the right direction and there definitely wouldn't have been, you know, so much investment on Aviva Stadium if there wasn't a belief that the league, you know, was sustainable. And, you know, like Aaron said, we, we've met expectations to a degree in terms of attendance, uh, in, terms of, in terms of social media numbers as well. That's, you know, kind of an under, uh, a very underrated uh, metric that a lot of teams do look at, especially in the marketing department. Uh, another thing that, you know, you also need to look at is... A, I guess you need like, like how are teams handling money and spending money? How are they developing academies? How are they reaching out to the community? And we've seen we've seen players visit the uh, visit kids in, in the hospital. We've seen uh, teams start to set up academies, both youth and uh, you know upper levels. So yeah, no, I would definitely say things are trending in the
0: right direction. All right, the Stalker Fang. Anyone know the attendance for Toronto, Utah?
1: I don't. Uh, twelve twenty four. I got that today from GM Mark Whitaker uh, As far as So how many of y'all, I mean the audience, y'all or you guys, are going to sit if you're attending a game, are going to sit through like sleet in, in, with, uh, without like a cover. You know, there there's no cover, there's no shelter. Are you gonna? Okay, that's.
2: I mean. That's, so you, you, ever, you, 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 ever, you ever played rugby in Vermont, man? No,
1: I'll, I'll play I'll play the rugby, but I ain't watching the rugby, if you get my point. Like I, I've played in the snow. That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's like I've played in the snow. I, I I played in the rain, you know, I'll do that, but I will not like I'm gonna up uh, to the house. To the house. Like, so yeah, 1224. I think given the conditions, that's a decent number. Uh <sighs> the arrows are very deliberate. So that number doesn't as far as I can tell based on my conversation today like doesn't if it was like 200 they would be concerned. But I mean it wasn't that much of a drop from last week compared to, you know, the the conditions
0: fair enough. Okay, greetings ADM. If the arrows aren't allowed Home games in Toronto in January due to potential weather issues. Shouldn't they make the same consideration for Nola, Houston, Austin, and Atlanta matches in May?
1: Um, I think we've learned some lessons about games in the winter, and that winter games aren't as bad as what some of the spring weather has delivered. Like the spring weather, like wet, windy, and created created a delay for a game in Canada. I think we're also learning some travel stuff about when to leave, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, it is what it is. And as this league progresses, we're we're just going to deal with it really. Yeah. um,
2: I, I, you know, I'd love to like, you know, plan around it. So I don't have to die of heat exhaustion in the humidity, but southerners just don't give a damn about the humidity uh and also it would just be one more thing to plan around and logistics are already skewed so nah i'm just gonna say no
0: all right obcom asks when can we get an official time and place for the finals or is it already set and i can't find it
2: uh it's not officially set we will let you know literally the second we get the email if it's not under Embargo. Yeah, I, 100% promise we will I mean, not
1: meet you in the dark. The, the time is on the website. Click to schedule and then go on the filter and put MLR Championship. And it says Sunday, June 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, Depending on the location, we'll partially determine that. And also, it's on CBS Main. So based on their window, is when we're going to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, and just so, so, so folks know, the term embargo in journalism means that uh, information is purposely withheld until a certain time. So there are instances in which, you know, Aaron working for the league and me working for the Sabercats, we receive rosters, uh, you know, announcements and stuff like that that we simply just can't break on Twitter like a lot of NFL or MLB and NBA reporters do.
0: At this point, Liam, you're just bragging.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it's also fair to say, because I think a lot of people sometimes are like, you know, where why isn't this information being spoon-fed to us by the powers that be? And it's just... Oh.
0: They have their reasons. So mm-hmm. we will find out. And like Liam said, as soon as uh, we know more, you can check us out on our socials, um, Earful of dirts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and of course... Uh, Reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby. So, gave me a chance to pitch an ad. There we go. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, switching over to some questions from Twitter, we've got at um, ruggerua. Any info on TV ratings for Heineken Cup finals on NBC this past weekend?
1: So, I can answer this question because I did look. Uh, I can answer this question on Wednesday, but not today because the, the whole sample from Nielsen, based on who it gets sent to, is not published yet. So uh, hit me up later.
0: All right. At LL Rugby, seems like a lame question, but where do coaches sit in the MLR during <laughs> matches? Are they on the sidelines, in the seats, in the press box?
2: Um, they are usually in a more secluded part of the stands. So for instance, when we were at constellation, um, and Fit- coach Fitzpatrick was still with the organization, he was kind of, um, along like the first baseline, like on like a, like a concrete like platform, like that, you know, was usually used for standing room. Um, then like at one point, like, um, like I was like over like on the left field fence, like in like a, in like a seating area and coach and coach Tolkien set, uh, sat, you know, like like a, like a few chairs down for me to watch the uh, the rugby United New York game, um, and then yeah, and then uh, right now at Aviva, Viva uh, Fitz, he's just going to be up in the box. Oh, not Fitz, sorry, Paul is going to be in the box.
1: Uh, this, I guess it's lame, but it's coaches are different. You know, like some coaches uh, do the traditional thing and they go to, they go sit in the box and and they radio down um the calls that they they send in and. Uh, I think a lot of Alan Yarday, Alan Yarday and a few other, there's probably like two other coaches that don't sit in the box. That's just is what it is. And some, some things is uh, some venues don't give you high vantage points for coaches. Uh, If you guys have ever been to, I guess the coach's box is at infinity park is really not that high up. It's right next to each bench so
0: so really i think the answer is it depends uh probably the best seat in the house uh last season went to seattle whose coach was on the field the whole time so (laughs) 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 all right uh at michael sasbo asks uh is there any word on a unified streaming platform
2: um, um, yes, it's called um, going to the game. If you buy a ticket, you can just yeah no I, I have no idea. I,
1: uh, well, everything is on YouTube uh, every week. so there is a unified streaming platform. As far as next season is concerned, uh, there are some discussions. I think the, the intent is to move everything back to ESPN plus, but you know the you know there, there's a lot of hands in the bucket that would make that decision, um, happen. So, you know.
0: Now are, now are there still contractual obligations into year three or were those just one and two?
1: I, I think the contractual obligations or were either two or three year deals, but uh, ESPN plus is pretty simple. Like, yeah, uh, they, if as long as you have a truck that can upload, they'll just take the, they'll just take the feed. So, it's, they want content, so the, the negotiation to get to that platform, which is the largest sports streaming platform in the world. That is not uh, – I think DAZN might be bigger, but DAZN is also trash. So there you
0: go. <laughs> All right. And that wraps up the regular portion of the show. So I guess uh, on our way out, guys, do you have any final thoughts tonight?
1: Um, Shout-out to the Lady Eagles uh, on their bronze medal victory over France in Langford at the sevens. Uh, you know, one more win, uh, which will happen at Biarritz. I think, you know, USA Twitter said we only need to show up for a game, but I think that's kind of weird. Um, it might be true, but one more win, and it, <laughs> it would be really hard not to get one win in Biarritz, but one win, and we are officially qualified top four for the Olympics, which would be amazing for both the men and the women to qualify directly out of the world series for the Olympics in 2020.
0: That's uh, that's a heck of a thing.
1: Uh,
2: my only closing thought is make sure to tune into the Earful of Dirt Facebook page on Saturday at 10am Central Standard Time 11am Eastern for episode 4 of Saturday Morning Team Juice where I will be previewing that weekend's slate of games it's it's a pretty good show but uh, yeah
0: and my only final thought is that I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that we only have one episode of Game of Thrones left and so after this Sunday My watch will finally be ended and I won't be able to rest.
2: (laughs) Corey's just going to disappear like Luke Skywalker. And my watch is over.
0: (laughs) All right, fellas. Well, thank you so much, everyone for joining us Um, on our way out. Please note that all opinions expressed on the broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of major league rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by major league rugby. Liam Madigan, uh, Liam Poach is <laughs> employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabre Cats. Please be sure to tune in next week where hopefully my voice will not be this muted and sexy. Uh, We'll be live on YouTube next Monday night and available on your favorite podcast platform each and every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. And if uh, that really helps other folks find us. So thank you for that. Those who have subscribed and be sure to share your own news views and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Until next week, go out and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.